And what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Designated Players and MLS Podcast. We're here with Ivan from Tectonic Takes to talk all about San Jose's 2024 season. Ivan, how are you? Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Andrew and Connor. It's been great. Uh, the podcast family for U.S. soccer, for MLS, and all the other divisions and competitions continues to grow. So I'm really excited for this opportunity, and I've had the chance to get to know some of your work and see your tweets and all that. So it's great to finally have a chance to talk face-to-face here. Yeah, yeah, super excited. Really excited to have you on here. Um we got a lot to talk about because yeah. even, even up to just the last couple of days, we're, we're looking at new moves in, some players out and, um, you know, players who might take take steps up. And we're going to cover all of that today. But before we do that, of course, we have to jump into Scarf of the Week, our favorite segment. Ivan, what are you rocking today? So here I have this San Jose Quick Scarf. You see it has the logo from before the latest rebrand. So think uh, late 2000s, early 2010s. The San Jose Earthquakes with the little triangle, the guitar chip, if you will, the uh, soccer ball here. And then on this side, you got Earthquakes. And on the other side, uh, San Jose. So yeah, that's your Scarf of the Week. I love that. That's a real nice look. It's very... It's simple, but it's got a lot going on. I really like that. Yeah, it's really fun. I believe uh, this was a giveaway, I think, from the Buckshot uh, Stadium days and when we were sharing the stadium with Santa Clara University. So, yep, for uh, now PayPal Park. So really great memories there. Wonderful. Connor, what are you rocking today? I think I can make a guess. And it's well, something I mean, over- as, as the podcast resident San Jose fan, I, of course, got my San Jose scarf. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Perfect. I got the new logo, so yeah, that's so good. Nice. Good transition, you know. A little bit yeah. of the old logo, a little bit of the new logo. Andrew's looks like it might be even older than both of ours, so might, might throw all three together, huh? Yeah, I've got. Yeah. I was gonna pull this one out because it's there, and I was like, you know what? Con- I know Connor has that one, but you know what Connor doesn't have? Connor doesn't have flash, baby. Wow, there so you go. Are- we're on a mission to collect all of the original 10. Uh, and I think there I'm at four right now, but yeah, we've got, we've got the clash out in here. It, the, the thing I don't really love about the, the, the originals that I've got is MLS soccer did a, it, it looked like they were kind of doing a rolling kind of, Oh, this team is this month and this team is that month, but it's all the same design, just different colors. So like the burner over here, Vancouver 86ers are over there like but they're all the same it's just straight down the middle zigzag and then dark and light color and so it's it's okay not great but uh it is you know we were able to cover all three spans of uh earthquake logo history so that's pretty cool exactly uh the Sansa earthquakes Eras tour and that will be <laughs> the conclusion of my Taylor Swift references because we've had too many of those <laughs> I love it I love it well then let's let's skip on past the, the the Swifty references and move right into San Jose's 2024 season Lucha Gonzalez is entering his second full season as head coach after a four-year stint in Dallas took his team last year to ninth in the west 16th overall 44 points 10 wins 10 draws four uh, 10 wins, 10 losses, 14 draws, if nothing if not consistent. Lost in the first round uh, play-in game to Sporting Kansas City. What are we feeling in San Jose land right now? How are we feeling going into the 2024 year? 
So apparently Kansas City is the kryptonite for Bay Area teams. <laughs> Not only have the Chiefs beaten the 49ers in two Super Bowls in the last five years, once again, the sporting Kansas City have knocked out the Quakes twice on penalties. Uh, they do not know how to solve Tim Melia. So that is a bit of a bummer there. But I think in terms of what we were expecting for this season, the most important thing was getting to the playoffs. And then from there, anything could have happened and anything definitely could have happened with penalty shootouts. Everyone has a chance. Um, I think that still the Quakes are looking for that elusive playoff victory. The last time was in 2010 against the Red Bulls. Um, and then not only that, but we want consistency in making the playoffs. And as much as the expanded playoff format has made things mathematically easier uh, this season, uh, 18 out of 29 teams will at least make the playing game. Uh, still, you know, getting there two seasons in a row is a good sign of consistency. And it's easier said than done because every MLS team is constantly making moves. Uh, things change season by season. You can have teams rising from bottom to top, which Inter Miami look poised to do out in the East. And similarly, they can go from top to bottom pretty quick. So at the very least, some consistency, some stability, something that San Jose Earthquakes fans haven't really had much of in the last decade or so, and then building from there. Yeah, and, and I think that's definitely a reasonable goal. You know, whenever we talk about making improvements, the first step is to stop doing this and start doing this so you can then go mm -hmm. like this, right? So, um, you know, that that's definitely a fair shout. And and I think, you know, with a little bit of stability in your roster, that will 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 get you there. But uh right now you you brought a lot of players in the door. Um who do you think is the best best addition that you've added so far? Yeah, it's strange uh looking into uh this upcoming season and seeing multiple moves made for Sanders Earthquakes, it feels like Usually you can count on one or two players, particularly out of MLS transfers. And then, you know, you're kind of staying pat otherwise. But a lot of needs are being addressed this window in terms of starting players as well as quality and depth. I think the best or most impactful addition will be the center back, Bruno Wilson. It was between Bruno Wilson and Victor Roque for me, but because he already has some depth in the fullback positions with Acapo, who competed in the Africa Cup of Nations with Equatorial Guinea, and Paul Marie, who's been a mainstay for the last few seasons for the Earthquakes, the center back position was looking a little bit thinner. We lost Nathan. He's now Seattle Sounders, and we're going to hope for the best in terms of his uh, playing time, how he looks like with uh, the injury just came off of the season ending injury last year. So even though he's a Sounders player now, I really do hope Nathan can get back to somewhere near his best. And then Jeremy Bobasi left. That was a bit of a nebulous situation. He was beloved by the fans and the teammates, but there's something going on with the organization that we just don't know the information about, but he is gone too. So before the introduction of Bruno Wilson, we had Tanner Beeson as our starting center back along with Rodriguez. Rodriguez, fantastic. He's a top uh, center back in MLS, in my opinion. He's very cap much capable of leading a back line from the center back position. Tanner Beeson, who we got from the Super Draft a few years back, uh, he's been solid when called upon. But I think over the course of a whole season, I think 
he peaks at a third choice center back, uh, capable of starting when it's a midweek or, you know, suspensions and injuries here and there. But I think we needed another higher caliber uh, center back uh, to partner Rodriguez. And I think Bruno Wilson fits the bill. That's super interesting. Connor, I'm just going to build off of this. So I'll, I'll bring you in in a second here, but uh, I actually ended up starting my my prep for this with uh bruno wilson for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned um and you know that i actually had in my notes before i did this i remember doing this saying tanner beeson's good but he's not cb2 good um for that exact reason um but i really really enjoyed the uh vitor costa uh signing the left back there and i know you mentioned him a little bit there as well right uh, Victor costa not roque i was the paraguay international <laughs> I, I was i thought i heard that but i was like oh maybe maybe it's like a nickname maybe i missed it uh but anyways uh vitor costa i think um you know on transfer market you had uh just jamar ricketts a a draft pick it looks like as a left back and i know uh, Marie and, and uh, Acapo were playing kind of flip-flop in, uh, there, but you can get a proper true left-back with the experience and the quality that he has. I think he's going to be a big success here and allow you a lot more flexibility. So, uh, again, you, you've got Paul Marie who can play on both sides. Uh, Acapo, you know, we when we did kind of a breakdown of the best per 90 players players to watch next year, uh, Acapo was killing the right-back numbers per 90. I mean, so you've got a lot of potential there, but now you don't have to rely on Paul Marie playing out of position. You can use him as that rotation. Pete, you've gotten deeper now. You've gotten a little bit more, you know, you, you raise your floor and your ceiling with the uh, Vitor Costa pick. So uh, I really, really like that one myself. Mr. Mr. Wright, uh, quiet over there. How you, how you doing? What are you thinking? Well, I, I got to pivot now because I, I specifically put in my notes that I chose Vitor Costa because I thought you were going to go Bruno Wilson and I wanted <laughs> to share the love. But now I'm going to pivot again. And I'm going to go to a player that uh, I just ended up doing research on today. So he wasn't in my notes because I, I wrote these notes up a little bit before. But I'll go for Amal Pellegrino uh, coming over from Norway. When I was doing the research on him today, his numbers were are so good in Norway that I, I genuinely thought it was a typo on, on FBRF. Like I, I had to double check it uh, because he's just putting up the most ridiculous numbers uh, in the Norwegian league, which I, you know, I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because I, I think the Norwegian league, you know, as much as I, uh, don't want the Euro snobs coming after me, I do think the Norwegian league is below MLS. Uh, but still regardless, I mean, he has nearly 75 goal contributions over the last two seasons in Norway. That's disgusting. That's ridiculous. Um, so he's a bit on the older side. He's he's 33 years old. So it's it's a little bit more of a short-term solution. But I thought it was in a perfect position for them as well because I feel like the front three was was shaping up and, and really the last spot open was that left wing spot, which they had options there. But I feel like adding in Pellegrino to uh, combine with, with uh, Abobasi and... Espinosa, I think, makes that front three really dangerous, especially if Pellegrino can uh, bring over some of that productivity. Right. I think from the left wing spot, the goals were drying up a little bit last season, and Bovesi and Espinosa were contributing almost entirely the goal contributions from that front three. So if you got someone with Pellegrino's track record, for me, I, I agree. MLS is probably a, a notch above uh, the Norwegian top flight, 
to their credit, though, I think the Scandinavian leagues, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, I think they have some really big clubs that could compete with MLS or exceed MLS. And then uh, the rest of the league's uh, quality is varied, but still good competitive league. And another added factor for Norway in particular being a uh, March through uh, October-ish kind of league as well. So that kind of transition to MLS with a similar calendar, even though it's culturally different, uh, calendar wise for the uh training regimen and being in uh, uh in season shape uh can be a benefit so that's great too uh it's also adds to the um, multicultural nature of this team i think that he's norwegian of tanzanian descent so even though there's not a lot of their scandinavians on this uh club uh being able to connect with another uh, african player such as uh, carlos acapo could be a help as well in the transition into uh San Jose earthquakes and mls so it's a great uh opportunity there and yeah 33 i think that We'll keep an eye on him as the season progresses. He might be a player that you have to rotate a little bit more often than in Espinoza and Nabobasi uh, with uh, players like Benji Kikanovic, but it's definitely worth taking the opportunity to bring him in. I am going to uh, save some notes there because you mentioned some things that I'm going to bring up later on. So um, we'll we'll move on from there and, and, and transition a little bit to uh, some players who have moved out, maybe maybe players who gave you good minutes and, and you're going to need to replace them. But who's the biggest loss this year for San Jose? Biggest not- loss was in some ways a necessary loss for both the club where they're trying to go and for the player's individual career. It has to be Kate Cowell. Uh, talent-wise and ceiling-wise, Kate Cowell was top of the club's roster. Uh, there is an opportunity, perhaps. I think he was linked to uh, Bologna at some point last year. There's a French club, I think, in there as well. He ended up making a move to uh, Chivas de Guadalajara. And as a Mexican-American, uh, I follow Liga MX uh, intensely. And Chivas is my family's team that we support. So in a way that I didn't necessarily lose KCAL personally, but the San Jose Earthquakes certainly did. And now it appears there's quite a few uh, U.S. men's national team internationals um, that are playing in Liga MX. And while Brandon Vasquez has gotten to a harder start for Monterey, Cal has certainly been a contributor and getting off the mark against Forge in the CONCACAF Champions League. So I think for Cal, I think playing in Chivas' system, I think is going to play with strengths a little bit more. It is, of course, a notable occurrence that he represents the United States and he's playing for the Mexican club that you have to have some sort of Mexican ancestry, heritage, or nationality, and certainly the passport to play for Chivas de Guadalajara. But it's definitely, you know, he's still Mexican as much as he represents the U.S. men's national team. It's a really great opportunity for him. And I think replacing him is not going to be easy. We brought in Pellegrino. That seems to be the short-term solution, as you mentioned earlier. But I think that Cal, if he wants to be on the roster for the 2026 World Cup, I think his he reached his max at San Jose Earthquake. So change of scenery, a bit more of a competitive league. If we're talking about MLS as a step above Norway, I think Liga Mech is still a step above MLS just based on the CONCACAF Champions League results. That needs to change a little bit more for that to even out a bit. But 
I think it's a great opportunity for Kate Cowell. Wish him the best. There's no bitterness among the fans. We're excited to see what he does. But, yeah, we're going to have to hope that the moves can help replace Kate Cowell. And it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Super interesting. I don't know about Connor, but Cade Cowell always seemed like the guy who had all of the athletic and all of the physical, but was like a a, a newborn baby deer. He got all the way up to the, the end line. And then once he got into a position to figure it out, he couldn't figure it out. And he fell down, you know, um, so really interested to see how he does over there. I don't have him as my biggest loss for that exact reason. I mean, he was listed as like a the the one of the really top 22 under 22. I don't know if he in the last two seasons had 10 goals, like five assists, something along those those numbers. I think he was under those numbers. I think, you know, the 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 potential was always there, but the end product wasn't. Uh, so I actually ended up going. Oh, um, actually, Evan, I want to bring you in on that just as we continue, just to add this in a little bit, because that's just from an outside point of view. What, what are we missing here? Was what, 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 what are we missing? Yeah. I think at this point in his end of his tenure with the Sounds earthquakes, what kept Cowell as a valuable piece for the earthquakes was his gravity. Uh, teams had to game plan for Kay Cowell, whether he was producing goals or not, because he was physical enough to win those one-on-one duels. He had the speed to burn you down the wing. And then while he didn't always make the right pass in the final third, if he was able to make that connection, that was just as dangerous. So I think there was times where he had hockey assists, where he was still integral to the buildup and his off ball movement was still good, but the progress that he was making in those technical areas, those decision-making areas, it hadn't happened to the point that we were hoping for. And I think a player of his talent I think he needed another opportunity to challenge him. And while the San Jose Earthquakes are building themselves up as a respectable MLS team, if you want to challenge yourself, you throw yourself into the cauldron of Liga MX and one of the biggest clubs in that uh, league. Chivas were a whisker away from winning a league title against Tigres recently. So they have ambitions to compete with the big boys, with Tigres, with Monterey, with America. And really, you know, re-cement themselves as one of the successful teams in Liga MX. And Cowell and Chicharito and many of the other players that they are building around that team are going to hopefully get them into those big games. Yeah, it's interesting. I just pulled up his his numbers here, right? Over the last two years in 3,000 minutes, four goals, six assists. I mean, he just hit 10 goal contributions in 3,000 minutes. It just just feels enough. Yeah, it feels underwhelming, right? It feels like and Connor, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but it feels underwhelming. And personally, I think LA uh, moving into Liga MX was the right decision because if he goes to Italy, I think he sinks. I don't think he had the ability to play in Italy. He had the physical ability, but Italy is so technical. And so you have to be in the right place at the right time and have the technical ability to execute in those moments that I think this was a good move for him if he was looking to take a step up because I don't think he would have succeeded in Europe. And knowing what we know now about Bologna, they've been in the seventh or eighth spot 
at a minimum throughout this season. So they're overperformed their expectations, but they've built the side around very talented players like a Lewis Ferguson and a Joshua Xerxy, where their leagues above where K. Cowell is. Yeah, he has potential to reach those heights, but these are also players with great potential. We're talking about Xerxy coming from the Bayern setup that is now starting to reach his potential at Bologna. So if K. Cowell was to go to Italy, I feel like he would be best suited for a team worse than Bologna or maybe even Serie B with the Venezia you, Americans. Like that would probably have been the side there. But I think as well from a financial perspective, if Cal had another bad season by his standards um, and any standards, to be honest, uh, in 2024, Quakes would never get the value that they're going to get back again at this point. They might have slightly missed the ship if there was an opportunity to make a deal before the end of the 2023 season. This was their last chance to maximize that investment on a player that came up through their youth ranks. So it's a net positive to get any sort of transaction. But I think also with uh, another player that was integral to their team uh, leaving on a free to Turkey, I think that they really need to make this move when it happened. I think that's a, that's a really fair point. Connor, do you want to add anything on that before we move on um, to our players to watch? Yeah, I feel like as a neutral, it's it's really easy to kind of be down on Kate Cowell because you, you hear the hype about him being like one of the top U22 under 22s and the Barcelona links, and then you go and you look up his numbers as a neutral when, you don't, when you're not watching him week in, week out, and you go, wow, this guy has four goals, five assists in 3,000 minutes. Like, how is this guy getting links to Barcelona and all these amazing accolades about such a talented, high-potential young player? So I think it's it's helpful to get the perspective of San, San Jose fans who do watch him week in, week out and can have a better perspective than the neutrals who kind of just look at the box score and don't watch San Jose more often. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I, I'm guilty of the neutral, the neutral bias on this one. I mean, I definitely have looked at his numbers plenty of times and been like scratching my head a little bit on, on where all the, like the, the high potential, like massive links to big European clubs come from. But, um, I, I will definitely trust the San Jose opinion on him more than just myself reading box scores. Right. And we're not going to go around and say that he is a must start player for the U S men's national team, or even a must like 23 man roster player at this point. I think he's good and talented enough to be in the mix and to get a call up here or there, certainly to be on the Olympic roster, but He's far from a shoo-in to get to the 2026 World Cup. I think there's a lot of players competing in Europe. I think that he still has competition from players that are based in Mexico and the United States that could beat him out. So I think he's good enough to be on the radar, and I think that uh, a good start to life in Chivas is going to be integral for him to reestablish himself and to start realizing that potential again. He still has the benefit of time. And I'm not saying you missed the 2026 World Cup. It's the end of the world because he's still super young. He just recently turned 20. So he's got plenty of time ahead of him to have a good career. And I think overall, even though it hasn't been as productive as we had hoped, for what he's accomplished at a young age and where he's going and what he's doing now at a bigger club, you know, than the San Jose Earthquakes, if we're being honest, um, 
I think you sh- can still have a lot of things to be proud of for his hard work. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sure we can go in on this for uh, hours, but I don't think our listeners want to hear that for hours. So um, I'm going to just throw my biggest loss in there and then we'll try and move on. Connor, I know you got to add yours as well. Uh, hopefully we're on the same page. Um, my biggest loss was Jonathan Mensah, uh, just because I think we mentioned the center back being a bit thin, uh, not having a super reliable uh, CB3 or CB4 injuries coming into the mix. I think having his leadership and, and you know, his abilities might have been something that would have been nice to see, but I don't know if you're going to feel it as much now that you've got other people coming in. Okay, I think I hit that on the head. Connor. <laughs> um, we are not on the same page. I went with somebody oh, oh. different. I went with Jamiro Montero because nice. That's a good he's, a, he's a guy who knows how to play in this league. He's He's been one of the better midfielders in the league for a number of years now. I know he was taking up a DP spot, and ideally you try to, I think, bring him in on a high TAM deal rather than a DP spot, but uh, I still think he can give a lot to a team. Uh, the only nice thing out of this is is the team's ability to now have that free DP spot and, and look to bring somebody in, but I do feel like the team will miss Montero a lot, especially because I, I look at the roster and I kind of wonder who's going to be the playmaker for the team with Montero gone, uh, and I'm not... Like there's not, I don't look see like a proven name in there, but I still think there are potentially guys who can fill that role. But I don't want to say too much because I'm going to talk. I think a little bit about that in a in a later segment. Good. Well, then we can we can move forward on that because uh, I, I didn't realize how long we went on to the Kate Cowell thing, which is fine because it's a great conversation. Uh, but we don't want to uh, dive in too much on one topic because a not so deep dive, not a super deep dive. <laughs> Um, that being said, uh, we mentioned some players out. Connor mentioned that there are some holes in the team. That means people are going to have to step up and we're going to need to watch some players who might break out this year. Ivan, who do you think that might be for San Jose this year? Uh, great transition from Jamiro Montero. And I'm going to go with someone who I think could fill in that void at the uh, attacking midfielder spot, Nico Shakiris. He enters uh, this season. Uh, he's 18 years old. I think he'll turn 19 during the summer. And he gave us really good minutes, whether he started or came off the bench last year. His minutes picked up a little bit more in the summer months, and then he was consistently uh, featured um, throughout the rest of the season. I think that now he wears the crown of the player with the highest potential and upside in San Jose Earthquakes. And some fans think that as of their most recent performances, Shakiris could have a potential higher potential than K. Cal. And that's the potential too many times for a non-FIFA slash EAFC video. So I apologize for that. But I hope you get the idea that I think Nico Shakiris is going to be a great addition to being a more prominent member of San Jose Earthquakes roster in 2024. Nice. That's a that's a great shout. And um, you know, I, I think it's a, a really fair shout too, right? F- filling a, a spot with a youth player of of that sort of level is going to be really, really interesting to see how that that rolls in but connor what are you thinking took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> i also went with nick uh nico securis um i for the exact same reasons i think he is the guy to step up this year and fill into that jamiro montero role and be a bit more of a playmaker for this team and I, and I feel like he can be that guy uh still super young uh got about 600 minutes last season and in my opinion he's primed to, to jump uh, to have a big jump up in minutes this season uh, obviously, stay, if he stays healthy, his underlying numbers looked strong last year when he when he got his opportunities on the field. And I think 
especially when he was on the ball and, and when passing. And I think that's perfect to to bring into that Jameer Montero type role. So um, for me, I think I think he's due for a breakout this year in in filling that exact role for the team. I mean, you're you're talking about a playmaker when center back Jackson Ewell exists. <laughs> And we can just throw him into the number ten role, like they. Throw US him Men's national team five. fans, cover your ears at the sound of Jackson Mule. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. We we that was a, that's been a running joke for a while on here. That that one season they tried him as a center back was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> USMNT fans are going to cry when he gets called in to play third center back next to Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. <laughs> <laughs> and LAFC fans can relate to those struggles because when they had to play Ilya Sanchez from midfield to center back, it didn't look good for them either. I think that sometimes managers will experiment and sometimes out of necessity with injuries and the way that MLS restricts roster building. But I think that there's occasionally the experiment where everyone can see only one outcome and it's the outcome that transpires that's not very successful. And as well from an MLS perspective, I think every club's fan base has that one player that they had a tumultuous history or a short history with U.S. men's national team uh, involvement. And the greater fan base in that circle will shudder at the sight of their name. But we still have a soft spot for them because we understand succeeding in MLS is different than succeeding in U.S. men's national team. But just because... You had a bad moment or two at the World Cup. Uh, and you all know who I'm talking about when it comes to the earthquakes. Um, doesn't mean that their entire career goes out the window. Absolutely not. It's just sometimes it happens in the biggest stage, and that's with every player. Um, every national team has that. So, you know, uh, we have to compartmentalize those things. <laughs> very, very true. I mean, Michael Bradley in Toronto this year, right? Um, for myself, I'm going away from the been there and ready to break through and moving into somebody who is newly signed this year. Uh, and that's Preston Judd. So we talk a lot about the the per 90 underlying numbers. Preston Judd, his, and I and it's funny, we looked at this before Matt Doyle tweeted this. Preston Judd's per 90 numbers in terms of percentile, I'm pretty sure we're all like 99th percentile in expected goals, expected assists, shot creating actions per 90. Like the dude just is always in the right spot. He's always creating good chances when he's on the field. The fact that LA couldn't get him more involved, especially with Chicharito being hurt is wild. But uh, I think he's going to be really, really good. Uh, Like we mentioned, his his underlying numbers look really, really good. And if he can take that and do at least 75% of what was projected, San Jose are going to be real good up top. Yeah, I agree there. I think uh, this is a rare occasion where I have to thank LA Galaxy, question mark, because (laughs) even though that they could have used Judd more with Chicharito's injury, they had to use Judd just enough where he scored against us in the California Classico, but we did get to see in other games too what he could bring to the table. I think when you're looking at options off the bench for us in those uh, front three spots, uh, Judd is going to be joining a group along with Kakanovic and Buda that we're going to hope that they can provide some great energy off the bench. He has the athleticism. He has the skill set. I think that Preston Judd just needs the opportunity, and I think that he might get more of that opportunity with the Earthquakes. I think that 
the front three uh, looks pretty established based on their resume and based on what they've accomplished so far in their careers. But if we want a deeper U.S. Open Cup run, if we want a deeper Leagues Cup run, I think Preston Judd will have a lot to say about that, whether he's starting in rotation or comes off the bench. Yeah, de- definitely a fair point. And uh, I-, I think that's been the the thing for San Jose for a while now is who's the next guy, right? And I- you mentioned it earlier. And, uh, oh, I can't, I, you know what? I'm going to save that because we're about to move to a, our, our section called one question where you're going to ask one question about the team that's kind of overarching uh, the season. Uh, and I was about to give mine away before we got there. So um, maybe with the power of editing, we take it out. Maybe Connor's going to amplify the audio to make sure everybody hears it and make me look silly. But uh, Ivan, I'll ask you, what is your one question for this team? My one question for this team is how are we going to enter the playoffs I don't want to limp into the playoffs like we did last time because it's tough to shift gears from, okay, we built up a cache of points and then we slid in a little bit. And now we have to go into a rough environment like Children's Mercy Park and get a win, let alone a shootout win with a roaring crowd. Um, they may be wearing blue, but not Quake's blue. So uh, I think that getting into the playoffs and getting to the League's Cup portion of the season as well with some good positive momentum is going to be very important. Granted, last year we did enter the League's Cup after a win against the Sounders. Unfortunately, we were thrown to the Lions' den. We had to host Tigres, the defending uh, League MX champions at the time, and we had to go away to Portland, which is another very tough environment to get a result in and one that the Quakes have historically done very poorly in. So when there's only two teams of those three advancing and it's a bogey fixture with Portland, we're a very good team still. And Tigre is one of the toughest teams in the entire tournament. I think that we knew that we we're going to be there for a good time, but not a long time. But we got a different group this time around and it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be Sansa Earthquakes, Chivas and Nelly Galaxy. Storylines abound. It's going to be one of the most exciting groups of the League's Cup. And while we're right to be skeptical of the League's Cup, uh, you can't help but feel a little bit excited. And it was an exciting time last year. But the most important thing is still the playoffs. And it's not just about consistency and making the playoffs multiple seasons but we also want to see a shift in mentality and okay we're going to be playing our best soccer going into the playoffs we're going to have a great opportunity to get a playoff win for the first time since 2010 and then we'll see what happens i don't think an mls cup final appearances on the card and i'll get into more of that with the predicted finish but a playoff win or two would be incredible progress for this season yeah, I think that's a that's a great question. You know, the way you enter does matter. So I think that's really good. Connor, your question. So my question is, is the depth strong enough to allow San Jose to make an MLS Cup run? And I feel like the reason I'm thinking about this question for this year is because I look at the starting 11, and to me it actually looks really strong. I think the starting 11 looks really good. But then there's a few different positions on the team where I kind of start having some questions about the next man up. And I feel like one of the themes we've noticed as we've talked to a bunch of teams and we've kind of recapped the year prior is that there are a lot of times where teams didn't rotate certain players enough during the season and they were just gassed by the time it got to MLS Cup and their legs were shot and they just there wasn't much left in the tank to give. I remember specifically when we were talking with Nashville and talking about Hani Mukhtar who played like a ridiculous amount of minutes last season, like over 3,000. Um, so 
I while I think San Jose has got a really good starting 11, I think if they get too reliant on playing them so often, they could just be like their legs just could be gassed by the time we get to MLS Cup. And then it's really hard to make a run at that point when you you have one off games and you you have to be on your A game. Um, so that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, in regards to depth, an area that we didn't talk too much about in depth was like midfield. Can Michael Baldissimo, can Alfredo Morales be able to soak up some minutes here and there? They're not players that, with all due respect, you want to be playing every game if you're ambitious to progress in the realms of MLS, but they're still quality and experienced players that they're on the roster for a reason. So you're hoping that they give you good minutes and that way uh, Carlos Grezo can get some rest when he's a guy that's going to log a lot of minutes. Uh, Jackson, Neal, who's the captain, he's not going to be subbed off too much, but he still, he runs himself to the ground a lot of times that they're going to be reliable for those factors. I'm hoping. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a fair point. And, I'll just kind of slide right into mine there. And um, this was before the signing of uh, Amel Pellegrino, but mine was who else besides uh, Abobasi and Espinosa are going to step up in this attack. And we've hit on a couple of these, uh, these names already that we've, you know, we've mentioned here, right? Pellegrino or uh, Sicaris and uh, even now Preston Judd. But for me, uh, you know, you look at these numbers and, in the last two seasons, San Jose has scored 91 goals. Those two have accounted for 47. I mean, last year they only scored 39. And, and you know, there, there was a big attacking quality problem up front. Who's going to step up to fix it? And how are they going to fix it? Is it going to be a shape change? Is it going to be personnel, um, you know, more frequent rotation? Is it going to be um, more attack through uh, the other side, right? You know, Cade Cowell was, we mentioned, underwhelming and, now, does Pellegrino step up and fix that issue? I think he does. Um, you know, when Ibobasi can't score, who's the next guy? Is Preston Judd going to be the guy? I think he will. Um, so I think that that question's been answered, but that was kind of my overarching one is like, if those guys don't perform, I mean, somebody's going to figure out how to stop Espinosa. Somebody's going to figure out how to not allow service into Jabo in the air. That's going to be a, a downfall for you, I think, so. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of production coming off the bench either. Uh, we got a little bit of that with Matthew Hoppy. We didn't get much of that from Aya Canola. That one in particular was a gamble because Aya Canola, after his uh, red-hot start to his professional career where it was a two- to three-way tug-of-war between USA, Canada, and Nigeria for his international allegiance, uh, he struggled to be productive, albeit in a very tumultuous Toronto side. And we're hoping the change of scenery would have helped him out didn't quite work out. So it's up to these current group of players, these young players off the bench. Kukanovich is the biggest question mark because he also had a very uh, fruitful short period uh, the season prior last that didn't quite replicate in this case. So he, he's got to step a, a little bit, just a little bit of contributions from everyone and just collectively a goal here and there off the bench, in particular when it's a clutch game. Because the Quakes oftentimes have had to withhold a lot of pressure to get results, whether it be holding for a draw, holding for a win. Just getting that extra goal here and there can relieve some of that pressure from a very solid defense. Yeah. Well, with all of those points kind of wrapped in, let's let's wrap this up. At the end of decision day, when the final whistle blows, where does San Jose finish in the Western Conference? 
Progress does not happen in a vacuum. Just because the Quakes got a little bit better in terms of the talent on the roster doesn't mean that other MLS clubs aren't doing the same. That being said, I think that we can see some slight improvement. Uh, lucky number seventh place, I'm hoping for, and I think is a realistic target. Interesting. Connor? I'm right in the same ballpark. I'm, I'm around the seven to ten range. I think... Tens probably if everything goes wrong, you know, there's injuries. They have to rely a bit more on the depth, which for me is is more of a question mark. But I think the reality is that they're they're probably somewhat similar to where they were last year, like around that play in, maybe last play out play off spot. Uh, I I just think the starting eleven is really good and it's going to carry them through a lot of games. But that I think when it comes down to the later part of the season, if there was already too much reliance on the starting eleven. I think the tired legs could start to start to show a little bit. Yep. Uh, I'm in kind of the same boat, right? I like the moves, but how well they transition into the league. Um, you know, the center mid spots still feel a little, eh, if not like super flashy, which is okay, but um, something to watch, right? The attackers were thin. They've gotten better, but how they adjust is going to be uh, important. You know, and they're still bringing in players, right? We, we mentioned that they or they might be done now, but um, they brought in a ton of players. And um, I just, I, it doesn't fill me with a whole bunch of like, ooh, this team is going to be something special. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with a couple of the positions that they're in, right? Jabo's solid. Espinosa's good. Daniel's great. Rodriguez, great. But across the 11, I think there are a lot. I won't say a lot, but I think there are a, a good handful of teams better than them. So I've got them kind of fighting to the to the wire here. Um, I've got them, their ceiling being a, a play-in team. Uh, so 8 to 12, uh, depending on if everything goes wrong. I think the slow start probably hurts them a little bit as guys are starting to get accustomed and, and used to the league. And, um, you know, I think eventually they'll pick it up and make a, make a decent little run maybe right after League's Cup. Um, and then, you know, once we get into the, the last month of the season, it's, like you mentioned, how are we getting in? Are you getting in hot or are you scathing off the bottom and hoping for the best, right? I think they get in hot and, and something happens personally, but we shall see. Um, yeah, I think the opening fixture is going to be very telling. It's a good measuring stick game. They're away at FC Dallas. Uh, that's going to oh, be yeah. a tough game to get a result in. Any away game is tough in Major League Soccer, but I think that see where you can get some away games as uh, chunks of three points or at least a draw to start the season. If you could somehow get a win on the road against Dallas, which I think is about similar quality team, I think that can give you some confidence in thinking, okay, we'll do our own at home. And then some of these teams at our level, uh, we can maybe get some results on the road, get some of those wins. Uh, neither conference, Western and Eastern, is going to be easy to qualify for the playoffs. Uh, you look at Colorado Rapids, for example, they've made some impressive business. They're trying to make a surge up front, too. LA Galaxy probably aren't going to struggle as much as they did last season either, or at least, you know, their hope not. I would hope so, but <laughs> I don't think that's how it works with LA Galaxy that often. So I think that those are fair assessments. I think that gradual progress is the goal here. And I think that you have to have that kind of mindset uh, when you're a fan of an MLS team that hasn't really been in contention in the playoffs. Gradual progress and 
see where it goes. And sometimes it's not a straight line and progress isn't in a vacuum. You have to be aware that other teams are improving too. I think that's a, that's a great note to end it on there. So Ivan, thanks so much for joining us. We really, really enjoyed this chat. I think, um, if we could, we would go well, well longer into this, but uh, we want to keep it short enough for our listeners to uh, to listen in, in one one sitting. So uh, thanks so much for being here. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. And to any of your listeners who are interested in more uh, San Jose Earthquakes uh, content, uh, the Tonic Takes podcast is a great place to go. We mostly upload onto YouTube, but we also have some Instagram lives where we do MLS train card pack openings. And if you guess a player right that's in the pack, we'll happily uh, get that card to you. And if you're interested in some more uh, information, like a helpful uh, note uh, sheet, uh, to get you through the MLS season. If you're having trouble keeping track of everything that goes on, I like to update my MLS uh, squad sheet throughout the season. It's a Google Doc that I keep that I send it to anyone that's interested. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Ivan Ornelas2 or on Instagram at IvanTheWriter95. And thank you so much for having me, Connor, Andrew, Designated Player Podcast. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Guys, go show them some love. Make sure that you go over there and, and subscribe and get involved with all the all the stuff San Jose related. They do really great content. Uh, so if you're looking for some news over there, head on over there. Uh, and if you're new here, if you're from the San Jose, your first time listening to us, uh, make sure you give us a follow too. We've done a or are going to do a team preview with a guest from all 29 teams. So make sure you stick around uh, to see what's being posted or head on back and, and take a look at what's already been posted. Maybe your favorite team, your least favorite team. Um, some random team you clicked on by accident, whatever you want to go listen to. Um, and then during the season, we're going to give you our, our takes on all the biggest MLS news throughout the week. Uh, we're going to give you our MLS history segment, which San Jose has been featured on uh, quite a lot already. So uh, you can go back and listen to some of the stories that San Jose um, used to create the league that we're in, which is really, really cool. Um, and then also we do lots of fun games, right? Uh, Tic-tac-toes and trivia games and just things to keep things light and, and thinking on your feet and testing your ball knowledge. So uh, if you like any of that stuff, give us a follow too, and we'll uh, we'll keep that we'll keep that rolling for you. But um, thanks everybody so much for listening. Uh, Ivan, thank you again for being here, and we will see everybody next time on the next episode of the Designated Players and MLS Podcast. See ya.